0: Hey, welcome to Survive Thrive Talk Story, a podcast where we explore what hard-earned, well-lived message you are on a mission to share with the world, brought to you by the Message Accelerator and me. I'm Jamie Wolf. This podcast is relevant to you if you want to make an impact and make money with your message as an entrepreneur, a small business or franchise owner, a trainer, an expert, a consultant, a professional, coach, speaker, or author, whether you are just starting out or you are in transition and starting over. And frankly, we're going to cover a lot of different topics over the upcoming months. An area of special interest for me, two of them. One is people who want to write books and tell their story and share their message, or those who've already written their books and they're not having as much success in the actual sharing of it as they thought they might. And secondly, just women in general who are transitioning into business perhaps for the first time or those of us who are beginning to age out of the workforce and going, oh my goodness, how am I going to take care of myself going forward? How am I not going to be a burden to the kids? How am I going to stay relevant? How am I going to stay active and engaged? How am I going to anticipate anything financially or health-wise that might go wrong and yet still feel comfortable that I can take care of myself. One of the things that I want to talk to you a little bit, because it's a subject that comes up over and over and over again, is, hey, I want to write a book and I want to hit bestseller. Can you help me hit bestseller? So let's talk about that for a minute. There's a bunch of different lists. There's actually about 40 total bestseller lists, but some of them are specific to fiction or hardcover or library books. So I'm specifically talking about if you want to write a non-fiction self-help book based on your experience or your expertise, what are the lists? Well, New York Times, Amazon, Publishers Weekly, Wall Street Journal, USA Today, the Washington Post, Barnes & Noble, those are the big ones, right? So it is a little bit easier, but a little not quite so high in status to get bestseller on Amazon than on the New York Times list. But here's the thing, I really want you to ask yourself what result or outcome is most important to you as you go forward. So let me put that in context. Let's just say you had a life a life event happen, you've gone through the recovery stage because After all, this is the Survive Thrive Talk Story podcast, right? So you you got through the survival part, then you thrived, then you wrote a book. Do you really want to hit bestseller or is that a means to an end for you? For instance, you might be thinking, well, if I just hit bestseller, it's going to increase my brand and my credibility and my revenue and my influence. And it leads for the business. Something else that I want to wrap around the book. But I want to point out to you that you get all of those things with a funnel and a good value ladder. And if you don't know what I mean by a funnel, don't worry, we'll get to it. So in my opinion, maybe a contrary opinion, don't mean to make any enemies, but bestseller lists are about ego. So they do help you sell more books if you're a fiction writer. And of course, there's notable nonfiction exceptions. They make the lists and buy, but the thing is, you know, think about Tim Ferriss and his four-hour work week. But by the time it makes... The bestseller list. The author already has a brand and credibility and revenue and influence and customer leads, right? It's a different world out there, and you know my experience also has been working with really, really high-tech companies and lots of venture capital and money. And so everyone thinks, my goodness, if I can just get in the tech accelerator, I can just get this or just get that. But you end up investing so much time and so much money, you miss your end game. So just my opinion. Not really. There's some basis and fact and finances to it. But a smarter strategy, instead of going for bestseller, is to build your list and build your business with a funnel and then approach a publisher, or maybe they'll even approach you. Because at that point, you've got the volume, you've got this big list, you've got a network, you've got influencers. So jumping through the hoops to hit bestseller is going to be easier. What I want you to do is really think before you write a book, or if you've already written it before you try to go for bestseller, dig deep into what you want your outcome to be. What do you want your life to look like in a year or five years? How do you want to spend your time? Who do you want to spend your time with? What makes you really happy and brings you lots of satisfaction and fulfillment? Because whether you only sell real estate or you sell real estate and create other offerings. Um, I'm using real estate as an example. Your business could be, you sell hair products. Your business could be a gym or fitness instruction. Your business could be accounting or massage therapy or physical therapy. It could be information products, how to homeschool your kids or how to change the bacteria in your gut to get healthy. It could be anything, right? I mean, the scope of what people go into a business for is broad and wide and perhaps you've now got some expertise developed and so you want to write a book. But what is your end game? What are you really trying to do with building a business and serving others, whether you just do your actual day-to-day business, say of giving massage or selling real estate, or you want to create something called a value ladder, what I call a solution evolution, or you want to do all those things and write and sell books. If you're going to do all that work, you want to create a life you love, surrounded by people who are in alignment with your values. And I call that creating your perfect day, and your perfect life. So you want your PDL to support your SOVO, your solution evolution. All right, let's just go with the example of you're in real estate. If you're in real estate and you want to write a book about real estate and you want to write a book about how well you've done in sales in real estate, perhaps despite some odds about your background or the market situation or your education or whatever the odds might be for you. Let's think about this. Let's drill down a little deeper. Do you want to sell to other real estate Brokers? Do you want to sell to real estate investors? Do you want to sell to people who do REITs, real estate investment trusts, to individual agents, to people who buy and flip residential, to people wanting to learn how to buy their very first property, people thinking about turning real estate into a business but they've got no experience? Do you want to sell to people who only deal in multi unit properties? Do you want to sell only to commercial developers? Do you want to sell only to buyers of $1 million and higher properties? or $100 million and higher properties? Or is your core market single-family homes in a specific area of the country? I only wanna sell in the Southeast, or I only wanna sell in the Northwest. Are you interested in international real estate? You know, I'm only gonna sell in Costa Rica, or gosh, I really wanna see if I can get into, I don't know, Japanese market. So markets where demand is high, and supply is low, I am not a real estate expert. But if you are, and if this is the area that you want to go in, those are the sorts of things that you want to think through. And no matter what business you're in, these are the sorts of things that you want to think through, because depending on who your client is, your business is going to be very different. Their expectations are going to be different. Their knowledge base is going to be different. Their personality is going to be different. Their finance level is going to be different. Their time frame is going to be different. You might be getting into a market where the sales lead time is two years, or you might be getting into a market where the sales lead time is an hour. But if you haven't anticipated that in advance, you're setting yourself up for frustration. And the last thing you want to do when you're designing your perfect day and perfect life is inadvertently set yourself up for a situation that's going to frustrate you all the time. Thinking along what does your perfect day in life look like? Who do you want to invite to your dinner table to eat with your family? Who do you want to surround yourself with? when you host events. Who do you want to attract as co-influencers? You know, say you're Jim Rohn or, you know, some of the other big names, Gary Vee. You know, those two people would invite very different kinds of people to their dinner table, right? And have very different conversations and very different language, even though they're both speaking English. I ask because the physical act of writing a book isn't very hard or time-consuming. It's just content and there are ways to approach creating text-based content to simplify producing it. And if you tell me, oh my goodness, I've been trying to write a book for 10 years, I do not mean to minimize your particular struggle with it, but if that's you, it's a great time to get help because it really shouldn't be that hard or take that long. And there are ways around it. You know, there's systems and processes for everything. But promoting a book is time-consuming and distracting and expensive. You have to do the layout and the design and get the cover graphics and get it edited, get it printed. Likely, it's Ultimately, it's going to cost more per book than you actually make on a sale. So the average author loses money selling books. And the average author, honestly, doesn't sell very many books. Should that stop you from writing a book if that's what you've always wanted to do? No, it shouldn't. I love books. I read them all the time. So if you have a story to tell and a message to share, I absolutely encourage you. I insist. Go write the book. And if you are having trouble with it, I'll help you. The only point of this conversation today is to redirect you from a desire to have um, a bestseller book right out of the gate and the only reason I'm redirecting you is because I'm asking what is it that you really think that's going to accomplish and if you can get that goal a different way I think that makes more sense. Before you go down the rabbit hole of bestseller simply know exactly what it's going to do for you that you can't get something some other way, all right? So just be willing to abandon the idea if you can get the results you want some other way, plus have a sustainable profitable business, which is of course the goal of building a business, right? All that said, you still want to know how to hit bestseller. Okay, I hear you. Let's talk about it. So lists in general are pretty competitive. For nonfiction, there are about four that update weekly and about three that update monthly. And your format matters. So if you've got an ebook or a soft cover or a hardcover, and again, I'm talking specifically adult nonfiction. I'm not talking about all the other categories. For the New York Times, what you need is an actual publisher you cannot self-publish to get on the New York Times list. And when you publish, you ideally need to publish with one of the big houses in New York. So to get a publisher, first you have to write a book proposal in addition to your book, and then you have to shop the proposal to literary agents. So you have to have an agent to help you get a publisher. Once you have a publisher, you still have to do most, if not all, of your own marketing. So where has that helped you, really? And I know you have this vision of, oh my goodness, I got a publisher and I'm gonna get paid all this money. It's an advance. It's just like a band getting booked. It's an advance. If you don't sell enough to cover the advance, you have to pay it back. Think about that. Of note, if you self publish, you can have an ebook ready in under a month, and you can have a print copy in three to six months, or possibly less, depending upon what you do to set things up in advance or how you know, if this is book number three or five or six or something for you, you can shorten the time. If you go through a publisher, it could take up to two years after you have a commitment from a publisher. And here's the other catch. You're going to lose a lot of autonomy in the cover image, the title, even some of the content. So it's really like having investors take control of your company because their whole goal is to sell books and why that's theoretically your goal too. You want to sell your book right? You don't want to sell some generic vanilla flavored or worse like totally 360 degree change from the message that was in your heart. You also have to sell 10,000 books in a week through a channel that reports its data to the New York Times and book sales have to be spread across multiple retailers across geographic regions. In other words you can't just go in and buy 10,000 copies yourself. And if you did, that would be pretty expensive. So I'd suggest spending that money some other way. You can't have one university or one group place a 5,000 copy order unless there are some Private school that's got outlets across the country and they're ordering them from different places, but even that feels kind of shady, right? You can do pre orders, and so you can spend four to six months heavily promoting your book in advance with sales all to take place once the book's in print and available during the requisite seven day window. But again, by the time you invest that much promotional effort or enlist the help of influencers, wouldn't you rather rely on a productive funnel and value ladder with a series of offers? So I've mentioned funnel a few times, and you just think of a funnel just like your kitchen funnel, right? You have a whole bunch of stuff going in at the top, and it narrows down and narrows down and narrows down. So for instance, there might be, you know, five, 10,000 people listening to this. And, you know, maybe at one point, I have an offer for you to help you write your book. And maybe at another point, I have an offer to take a look at your current business and do an intensive business evaluation and see where you might be stuck in getting clients or in your branding or in your marketing or in your social media or wherever and come up with a strategy for you. And there would be different people interested in those different services and willing to pay different amounts depending on the results that they're going to get. And so that's what I'm talking about, a value ladder or a solution evolution. You know, you help someone with one portion of their problem and then they go, oh, that feels so good, that's gone. Now what do I need help with? And then you keep ascending and helping them with what they need, right? So when I talk about a funnel, it's that idea of casting a wide net and then finding the people who actually want what you offer, and then helping them grow and sticking with them along the way. Let's talk about bestseller list on Amazon because that is something that you can actually trick the algorithm or game the system. And the real key with Amazon is niching it down and also understanding that it is an hourly update. So it's not a week-long thing. You actually get to hit a bestseller for an hour I hope that means something to you because honestly, once you know, it's not, there's just too many books getting bestseller, I think is what I'm saying. For Amazon, you can self-publish. The sales requirement is less and shorter. You only need to sell only, need to sell 3,500 to 5,000 copies within a 24-hour period. It's also a little funky that way. I'm talking about a day period and then an hour period because the list updates hourly. You're not trying to hit the number one out of all 5 million books or however many there are today on Amazon, you are simply trying to sell more books in a specific hour in a specific category than the other books in the same category sold during that hour. The ranking is called ABSR, Amazon bestseller rank. So when you look in the categories and you see a book with an ABSR of 2,000, you air quotes only need to sell 1,999 to be the best seller in that category, subcategory, and subgenre for an hour. And that's the thing is you want to do a whole bunch of research and really study the different categories. And the subcategories, and depending upon which category or subcategory you pick, and whether you're doing a Kindle book or a print book, you might have three or four levels that you can niche it down. So, you can have books, you can have books that are free or books that you have to purchase, you can have Kindle or print, and again, we're talking nonfiction books. So, for example, going back to the real estate example, you might select books and then business and money, and then real estate, and then buying and selling. Or maybe after real estate, you would choose sales, or after real estate, you would choose investment. And you'd want to look at what the best sellers were doing in any one of those subcategories and see which one actually has a higher number, excuse me, a lower number, because it's a whole lot easier if you only have to sell, like if the number one book in that category is selling 60,000 books, you got to sell 59,999. But if the bestseller in that category is only selling 2,000 books, then you've only got to sell 1,999, a factor of 10 difference. Do your homework. On the best selling books and the Kindle books in your field, go look at their rankings and their categories. You might pick entrepreneurship or self-help or some other first category besides business and money so that you can go a different number of levels deep. Find the best seller that's just gonna make it easier for you to game the system. And do note that there are different categories in books and in Kindle, but I'm getting into the weeds here, and if you're glossing over or trying to take notes, really the only thing I want you to understand, this is not an intensive in how you're going to hit bestseller. This is why on earth are you going to go through all this effort to hit bestseller rather than to serve your people? Why aren't you spending all this time and effort in making sure that the person you want to help is getting helped, right? Is it going to serve you to hit a bestseller in some very obscure niche of a niche for an hour or a few days just to claim the title? If it is, let me give you some pointers. Here are some keys to selling anywhere from 3,500 to 10,000 books in a finite time period. You want to build an email list with about 100,000 subscribers because email lists are the most effective method to sell pre-orders and books. But again, just be sure that the pre-orders and sales are tied to distribution channels that the New York Times will count if that's the list in question for you. Let's talk about that 100,000 person email list for a minute how long do you think it's going to take you to build a list of 100,000 people? And that sounds pretty huge, right? But let's think about conversion rates for a minute. If you've got a list of 100,000 people and you blast out an email and you have a 40% open rate, which is really high, it's amazing. That's like almost half, which is kind of sort of unheard of. And then you have a 10% click-through rate. In other words, of the 40% of people who open the email, only 10% of that 40% is actually going to click the link that's offering your book for presale. And then of the 10% of the 40%, only 10% of those might complete the purchase rate. And again, those are pretty decent click-through rates and buy rates, 10% and 10%. These people would have to know you and trust you pretty well. So out of 100,000 people on your list, you're only going to end up with 400 books sold. And that's it with a really good open rate. The point being is you need to use a whole lot of different tactics other than simply a giant email list in order to get enough book sales in a short, constricted period of time. So you want to be speaking on a regular basis and be sure you do it in disparate geographic regions. Again, if we're thinking New York Times in the background, um, Instead of asking for a speaking fee, you might ask that they buy 500 books from you for each member in the audience. Just make sure that the bulk order is through a reporting distribution point, such as Barnes & Noble or Books a Million, and then have the books shipped to the attendees. And again, I mention those just because those are distributors that report to the New York Times on number of sales. So you could also ask business clients to purchase books for their employees, follow all the same processes that I just talked about for speaking. You could go on podcasts or influen- of influencers with large audience or arrange to speak at their events and ask that they help promote your book and pre-order efforts by emailing their list. So if you had you know 10 people who had a thousand email person list, then that's another 10,000 people, right? or bigger. You do the math. So you could create a launch team, have your friends, or your family, or your influencers, or your cheerleaders, or your most rabid fans. If they have lists, ask them to help you really focus and cross-promote. You can incentivize people to pre-order by offering freebies. You could offer a free audio version of your book, a free digital chapters in advance, free access to a private Facebook group with active discussions on your topic and coupons or discounts for other products or services you offer, etc. I do hope I'm not overwhelming you or discouraging you. That's not my intent. I am always here to help you on this topic. I'm just really asking you to think what is your end game? What is the point? You have expertise. You're amazing at health and nutrition or amazing at fitness or amazing at couples therapy and coaching or amazing at business coaching or amazing at whatever you're amazing at and you've got expertise and you've been working it and now you want to get a book out to so you're not saying the same thing over and over one-on-one. You want to be able to ex- exponentially increase your distribution, right? So that the beauty of the written word or the spoken word is that you say it once and it can be distributed by millions across the planet, right? Instead of you having to make a physical visit with each person. A book is awesome and You can ultimately eventually get to bestseller if that's something that's always been hanging out there that you want. I'm just asking you to think of, is it the first thing that you want to do? But if you're going to write the book and you want to have a marketable book, and you want to start building your list, here are some things you absolutely must do. You need to have an absolutely great title. And it's got to be image-evoking. You have to see a picture. And you really need to test out your title. When you come up with a title, send it to 5 or 10 or 20 or 30 people, friends and colleagues, and see if they respond to it the way you respond to it. Because what sounds clear and compelling to you might not to other people. So do a poll on Facebook with two to three options or a poll on email or just go sit down at coffee and talk to your friends and ask and be open to the feedback. Don't be so invested in your title that you get all this feedback and you ignore it, okay? Because the title really, really matters. Do the same thing with your subtitle. So each chapter should also have a pretty sexy title. So I want you to think of it as a headline in a newspaper column or the phrase on the TV news segment that says, Up next, how... That's going to be your chapter title, right? So just put that hat on when you're writing your title and your chapter titles. So within each chapter, or at the end of each chapter, offer a PDF, a spreadsheet, a planner, a checklist, a meditation, an organizing tip, a shopping tip, something. If your book is digital, you want to have a live link to an opt-in page that delivers the thing after you capture their name and email. And if you have a printed book, you might want to have an evergreen page. Like it could be your name, your subject, and the thing. Let's say your name is Sally Sells, and you sell real estate. Sally Sells Real Estate, and what you're offering is a Mastery Planner. So you could have your evergreen website as Sally real estate sallysellsrealestatemasteryplanner.com. And then if the next thing in the next chapter you were selling is Sally Sells Real Estate Organization, leadorganization.com or Sally Sells Real Estate how to keep your howtokeepyourcarclean.com whatever it is that you might be offering what are the periphery things you know if you're in real estate you need to dress a certain way you need to have a certain kind of car you need to have it clean you need to have snacks for the kids that are bored or things for them to play with you want to have a planned route you might want to have stuff to offer about fun things to do in the area or school information or you know how far is it to the nearest beach or what's the weather like or what's the crime rate or any of those things that people might be interested interested in knowing and so if you have that all spelled out and you've had good experiences with it and you want to create a thing and you put it at the end of each chapter if it's going into a print book you simply change the name of the website so it's specific to that thing and it's easier if it's a digital book because then it's just a live link and the key is you want to be able to send people to an online spot where they must give you their name and email address that's the whole point of this is growing your list, within your book. So you want to mention at least once per chapter that you have a Facebook group for people who've read your book. And then in that group, to keep people engaged, you want to run contests or have surveys or do fun weekly things, all of which lead to an opt-in page. And then you can add them to ManyChat or some sort of a chat bot or a messenger bot so that you keep them engaged that way. You always want to have a call to action within a chapter or in the chapter summary. For example, in this chapter, we learned one and two and three. So before, before you read the next chapter get your pdf here with an active link to an opt-in and go do why and post it in our facebook group when you've done it so the group can cheer you on or whatever because you want to build community and people love helping each other out so get your influencers to offer giveaways and offer to do the same for them so there's cross-promotion. Think of your book as a collection of blog posts. Write blogs now and see which ones get the most response. Use those and expand on those topics for your chapters. You can also engage your audience and ask them questions on these topics so by the time your book comes out, you will know you've got content your readers want. Remember that your cover image is important. You can use 99 designs or something like that and then run a poll so once you've chosen the the top few designs you like you can email friends to go to a link to rank what they like and of course you get the final say so you can ignore at your own peril what your market is telling you but you can get input and then you still get the final autonomy and get to decide. You should consider hiring a professional copywriter to help you write the back cover copy and if you don't know what I'm talking about go to your nearest bookstore pick up a book or go to your own bookshelf and pick up a book turn it over look at the back and there's a paragraph to three paragraphs of words on the back called your back cover copy, and this is, you know, the first thing that people are going to see for the most part. They see the title and then they go, "Hmm, I wonder if I want to read this book, and they flip out over to the back and it's going to tell them what that book is going to do for them. Writing this back cover copy is almost as hard as choosing the title, and it's definitely harder than writing the book, and you just have to trust me on that. It's the first words people are going to look at um, if you're on Amazon and looking at go look at the inside cover and the physical, the book description, you know, down where people are ranking the book and giving their reviews. The back cover must speak directly to a reader as if you know them and know their pain points and you've got the solution they haven't been able to find from anyone else. So another call to action you should include comes at the end of the book. So ask them to write a review on Amazon and ask them to consider buying a copy for a friend as a way to gift a good deed. You know, that whole pay it forward thing. The reviews are important because once you hit a certain number of reviews, Amazon's going to step up their free marketing of your book. Name drop. If you have influencers you follow or emulate, talk about them in a chapter and then send them a copy of the paragraph or the chapter and ask them one if they'll read the whole book when it's finished and write an endorsement. And depending on how busy they are, you actually write the endorsement and you send it to them and ask them to edit it and sign it. Or at least okay it so that you can then include it in the front of your book before you publish it and then also ask them if they'll promote the book when it's finished since after all they're referenced within the pages and they can say hey I appear in this book you should read it. Finally think about the industry groups or categories you want to add value for sticking with this theme of real estate if you want to talk to business schools that have real estate programs, or if you want to talk to real estate groups, retirement planners, etc., add a chapter or a partial chapter addressing their pain points and offering solutions. Then you can approach those groups to ask for speaking gigs, plus offer a discounted fee in exchange for them buying books for their audience. Now, this isn't so much for the New York Times bestseller list. This is all about building your list, so it worked probably a little better for Amazon unless you're planning on doing this across the country. For example, you go speak to a real estate program in a business school and you agree to speak for an hour and hold a q and a for an hour. So say you normally are going to charge $50. This is what you're telling them. You're telling them that you normally charge $50 per hour per person, but you're going to do them a favor. You're going to charge them $5 per hour per person. So two hours times a hundred students is a thousand bucks as your speaking fee at a deeply discounted rate. And you want to emphasize this, hey, I'm doing this at a deeply discounted rate. Next, say your book normally sells for $50. And again, this is what you're telling them because you can set the price at pretty much anything you want if you self-publish. So you're going to tell them that this textbook-like real estate book normally sells for $50, but if they're willing to advance purchase 100 copies, you'll give them a 60% discount. So you're going to charge them $20 a book, which honestly is about what you would charge them anyway, but you don't want to say, hey, I'm giving you $4 off. It's much better to talk in percentages. Hey, I'm giving you a 60% discount. So $20 per book times 100 students, equals 2,000. So now for this speaking engagement, you've made $3,000, you've sold 100 books, and then at the end of your speech, you give a call to action with some special offer if they'll go to some section in your book and opt in. So I'm making up numbers, I'm playing with how many might be in the audience, what you might charge for your book, what you might charge for speaking, But the point is, this is yet another way that you can add to your list and add to people who know about you. The whole point is you want to be strategic with a book. You do not have to shoot for bestseller, but you can still do a lot to promote it if you write it the right way and you incorporate strategy as you write it and of course be thinking always about what you ultimately want your business and your value ladder to accomplish and plan for where a book fits into that first add value then compile it into a book then leverage that compilation to grow your list even further you all have been amazing for listening this long i bet this wasn't exactly what you expected we were going to talk about today but again i get so many questions of jamie i've always wanted to write a book jamie i want to hit bestseller Jamie I wrote a book and I couldn't sell it. Jamie I can't finish writing a book. Jamie 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 I don't know what to do about this book and I love books and I want to help you but you is really really think always about what you want your day and life to look like because as an author and as an entrepreneur the thing I wanted to get away from was dumbing myself down, fitting into you know what is the round peg in a square hole or something like that, fitting in, not making waves, being in this horrid routine, not thinking, not being super happy, being stuck in a commute, not making enough money, all these things. It was just soul sucking, right? It just killed your whole spirit. So if you're moving into really making a difference in someone else's life and you really are moved to serve, then forget the noise that tells you to hit bestseller and go serve. And then with the amount of work it's going to take you to start a new business and get it to the point where it's successful and have people know what you're doing and how you're helping. For heaven's sakes, A, make all that work count and B, make sure that at the end of the day and at the end of the year or the five years or however long you've been working, you created something that really reflects who you are and what you want and aligns with your values and brings you fulfillment and satisfaction and pays you well so you can take care of yourself and take care of the people that are important to you your life and contribute to the charities that you want to contribute to and go out and just make a huge impact on the world or a small impact, whatever suits you. That's the point. Go do something that suits you. That's enough of that. We got the point. This is Jamie Wolf with the Message Accelerator and we're on a survive, thrive, talk story podcast. And going forward, we're going to talk about building businesses, writing books, taking care of yourself, having a really good life and things of that sort. Take good care until next time and feel free always to reach out with any questions. Welcome to Survive Thrive Talk Story, a podcast and blog where we explore what hard-earned, well-lived message you are on a mission to share with the world, brought to you by the Message Accelerator. This podcast and its accompanying blog is relevant to you if you want to make an impact and make money with your message as an entrepreneur, small business or franchise owner, trainer, expert, consultant, professional, coach, speaker, or author, whether you are just starting out or you are in transition and starting over because it is the first ever episode of survive thrive talk story i hope it's all right with you if i first share my story of going from surviving to thriving and making a difference for others so the short version is that one of my children got really sick when she was 10 she began to lose weight and she kept losing it over three months while i took her to doctor after doctor then at 2 a.m on thanksgiving morning she was diagnosed with an incurable illness and that changed our lives forever i will never forget that long night or sleeping in the pediatric ICU and waking up and for just a split second holding on to the idea it was all a terrible nightmare and didn't really happen. But of course, it did. And it led to more life-changing moments. If you're a parent, you know you'll do anything you're able to in order to help your kids, right? I really wanted to trade places with her so that I was sick and she was healthy again because it's cruel to be sick as a kid. But I couldn't, so instead I used all that grief and anger as fuel and went to work creating a Company around a product to help her and others like her manage her illness better. I'd never been an entrepreneur before. I'm not even sure I'd paid attention to the word previously. But it was my transition to being someone who gets paid to solve problems. Someone who doesn't have a job but works to change people's lives in some way. Because something very personal happened And I chose to share what I learned and to give back. And it was glorious. I was really living on purpose, helping my daughter and helping so many others. But being an entrepreneur includes a million learning curves. And after a few years, well, let's just say I learned some things the hard way. Like getting fired by the CEO, the only person in the company and on the board with the power to fire a co-founder. Except he was also my husband then. That's a pretty harsh betrayal. But it got worse. Within 24 hours of getting fired, I learned that our joint bank account Accounts had been closed and that my husband had not only taken control of the company I started, but had also withdrawn my younger child from his school and arranged for us to move out of state. And later I found out he also canceled our daughter's health insurance without telling us or giving us a chance to make a backup plan. I don't know if you can picture this, but in 36 months I'd gone from a six-figure income, a business owner with shares, a purpose, a passion, an identity, to unemployment in a state where I knew nobody and had zero support system and no work. My life came to a grinding halt. After 20-hour workdays, to no work and no structure, from knowing who I was, why I was here, where I fit in the universe and fit in my family, to having no clue and being immobilized by fear. My future felt so dark and heavy, but I had further still to sink. Once my husband lived in one state and I lived in another, there were interstate custody issues, and I no longer had any income or savings or a place to live. That's when the unthinkable happened. That's when my husband took my six-year-old away, crying and reaching out for me. I broke, completely and utterly. I couldn't look at myself in the mirror. I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't think. I was numb, but every fiber of my being was screaming in pain at the same time. That was for sure when I was in pure, reactive survival mode. No money, no stuff, no hope, nobody to lean on no idea what to do next and I felt so worthless as a mom and a provider as if I had no credibility or worth at any level. But as a now single mom, I didn't have the luxury of staying broken for long because I had mouths to feed, bills to pay, medicine to buy, and my older children looking to me for some sense of normalcy. I cried every day in the shower where the kids couldn't see me and put on a brave face the rest of the time because I really didn't have a choice. I was super clear that my first step was to care for myself and my kids. So I took what I learned as an entrepreneur and translated it into skills I could apply in a job. But once big I couldn't forget the passion, creativity, and contribution that being an entrepreneur fueled. I loved my job, but I got clear on the fact that what really mattered to me was making an impact on a larger scale. I researched and learned that books were a great vehicle to do just that, make a big impact that scaled, just like a tech startup. It's funny that I hadn't thought of it before, since I've always loved to read. So after a handful of years of working with other startups and investors, during which I felt as if I repeated saying the same lessons over and over, I jumped in and wrote a book, sharing what I'd learned. And while I was writing, I practiced saying, I'm the author of a soon-to-be-published book. This was the first time I thought of myself as an author. I focused on a goal of writing a bestseller that solved real problems in order for me to achieve success and profit while serving as many people as I could with my message by selling lots and lots of books. I focused on a goal of bestseller because I'd been led to believe that was the first step required to living the life I dreamed of. I Thought if i could just achieve some external milestones i could believe in myself again and to be honest as i got clear about what had happened and what i desired going forward i acknowledged that i wanted to make more than a living as an entrepreneur author i wanted to be recognized as an author expert and i wanted to quit my job and live my dream life where i had the freedom to spend time with my kids outside and allotted 10 days of vacation a year the freedom to travel and the resources to invest in charities with missions that matter to me. And since I'm being transparent, I also wanted to win, to be a successful, wealthy entrepreneur on my own, to prove my strength to those who had exposed my vulnerability, to prove I could to my parents and other family members around whom I felt humiliated and ashamed, but mostly to prove to myself that I could, in fact, succeed brilliantly and change lives in the process, mine and my kids included. So while I got clear on taking some action action steps and clear on an outcome I wanted, to be a bestseller, selling lots of books in order to stand out from the crowd and maximize my profit and impact, I struggled because I doubted myself as an expert. Honestly, when I first began, I wasn't even sure how to write or finish my book, and so often I had the thought, who am I to write a book or tell someone how to succeed when I have failed so many times in so many ways. I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, or experienced enough to help others in the first place. After life had beaten me down so much, I didn't believe in myself anymore. I doubted I deserved to use writing or a book as a way to increase my customer base, or that I had a story anyone would read. While I smiled outwardly at work and displayed competence professionally, inside I was ashamed, felt unworthy, and guilty that I kept asking my friends and family to believe in me when it was all taking so long, and when I diverted what little resources I had into my efforts but still didn't have much to show for it. I wasn't sure I could get away with calling myself an expert. I honestly wasn't sure I could finish writing a book or figure out what to focus on. You know, it's that constant critical voice in our heads, and mine had a lot of material to work with. But I've got to say, you don't have to look far to find someone who could really benefit from hearing a message of hope. So I made a conscious decision to let go of fear and release my pride and ego. When I shifted from, how do I do this? Because I don't feel worthy, to, I choose to focus on helping others with what I've learned through experience, studying, or both. Moving forward was a given. The good news is that my desire to make a difference as well as showing my kids by example they can have anything they set their minds to always resurfaces for me. But then I ran into another wall. Prevailing Wisdom said having a book isn't enough to grow your fan base and bottom line or to attract new customers and clients. You need to write a bestseller and maybe get picked up by a big name publisher. To have a bestseller you had to move lots of copies. To do that, you had to write blogs, record podcasts, host book launches, do radio interviews, partner with affiliates who could help with your launch, get on TV, get publicity in magazines and the news, do pre-sale campaigns, post on all the social media platforms, and keep at it for months. I worked like a demon to prove to others what I could accomplish, rather than relaxing into being my best self immune to outside forces. I let fear, doubt, shame, and guilt, along with an addiction to disappointment and anxiety, drive my decision-making. In fact, a coach pointed out to me, I subconsciously saw myself as a classic underachiever and underperformer, and I sabotaged myself over and over to meet my low belief in and expectations of myself while outwardly gaining lots of credentials. And I just wasn't any good at marketing and selling books. And frankly, simply selling books didn't motivate me to stay consistent. Being on TV at four in the morning for a 30-second soundbite that felt more like I was being a sensationalist taking advantage of something bad that had happened somewhere. Big layoffs or people losing homes after downsizing or some business failure or another that might prompt people to turn to entrepreneurship. It didn't feel authentic, and after a while, I couldn't keep doing it. But in the meantime, I could never let go of wanting to help people and live a purpose-driven life, as well as an author-expert dream life of time and resource freedom. As an entrepreneur, I never stopped believing that there are smart solutions to be had, ways to optimize distribution, and methods to scale a business while working less through efficient systems. As a human who has studied and had life experience, both of which generate stories, I never lost the dream of wanting to use messages to help serve, and inspire others, and to offer courage, hope, belief, healing, and transformation to many. And by then, i would learned a lot more about different businesses, and I really had been onto something when I did my original research. Whether you are a chiropractor, a fitness trainer, franchise owner, real estate broker, stay-at-home entrepreneur, or a network marketer, having a book and a series of online courses and event offerings makes you stand out. It helps attract new clients, and it serves your existing customers because you know exactly what they want and can deliver solutions to them for their best outcomes. Remember I said when I started the company for my daughter, it was the first time I was an entrepreneur getting paid to solve a problem? So I just kept thinking about the problem, that people have expertise and experience, they have stories to tell that will help others, but there's a big roadblock to the distribution system because most people don't have the time or the expertise to successfully market their books. I realized that just like ebooks and self-publishing changed the path and opportunities for authors authors in all genres, it would stand to reason that a new path and opportunity for entrepreneur authors must exist if I could just find it or create it. I also realized that the frantic focus on selling more books just to hit bestseller was not the end game that mattered. Helping more people, and doing so with an infrastructure and system that made it so anyone could also help others, that was the true end game. I also recognize that you aren't an author expert until someone pays you for your expertise, and you don't have a business that's in the black, i.e. profitable, until they pay you to meet them where they are now and take them to where they want to go. And in order to meet them, you must have an automated system of distribution. And while a book rightly focuses on solving the first problem your readers want solved, your business relies on your creating successive solutions with increasing value to newly uncovered problems. Once you scratch the first itch, your client becomes aware of a different spot and a new challenge they want your help in solving. Your business requires you to begin with the end in mind, to know where you're starting and where. you're taking your readers and clients on their journey. Your dream life relies on you putting a system in place that lets you automate and scale, go faster with less effort, and more profit with greater impact. My business brain kept wrestling with the concept of distribution and conversion. In other words, how to reach people and get them to buy. If what I was offering could solve the problem, they would pay to solve, and I wanted something that would put it all on autopilot. I'd do the work once, because I'm not afraid of working, and after that, I simply had to tweak here and offer more value there, and I'd be making a difference and making sales. Marching orders from the business side of the equation say, one, solve the problem the market will pay you to solve, which then uncovers the next problem the market will pay you to solve, and so forth. Two, put a system in place to make it happen fast, which means automate whenever you can. And three, craft it, So that it pays for itself because to have a sustainable business rather than an expensive hobby, you must be in the black, as in revenue positive. So I took what I learned in business because I really love business and applied it to authors who have already written nonfiction books who want to reach more readers, and to business owners and franchise owners who want to get out from under their brick and mortar business, and to trainers, professionals, experts, coaches, speakers, and consultants who want an automated system with online offers to attract new, qualified clients easily and consistently, and to people determined to work from home. Because I really love working with people on a mission to share their solution-oriented messages. Basically, you reach lots and lots and lots of people with their message, you help them, they pay you, and you set it up so all that marketing ends up free to you. And then you've moved enough copies to become a bestseller and attract that publicity or publisher if you still want it. And if not, You just go about serving people with a profitable business. Cool, huh? This new opportunity would focus first on building a profitable business, solving problems. Applying a business strategy and automated system, entrepreneur authors would actually do less work but achieve far greater results for themselves and their readers and clients in a far shorter period of time. And then they'd spend more time doing what they love, whether that was fitness, or coaching, or writing, or recording, telling stories. being creative, making a difference, and contributing in a big way. It would be a way to easily convert your current professional expertise into online content and leverage it to start a movement, attract more clients and customers, lose the overhead, and build an empire. In other words, it would monetize your message. But... As an entrepreneur, I suffered a bit from shiny object syndrome, chasing the next big thing, because I thought it would help me be recognized as an author expert, and put me in a position to never have a 9 to 5 again, although it's always been more like 7 in the morning till 9 or later at night, plus weekends, right? And live my dream life, where I had the freedom to spend time with my kids outside an allotted 10 days of vacation a year, the freedom to travel, and the resources to invest in charities that make a difference to me. So as other opportunities came up, I moved on to other things, pursuing all sorts of business opportunities, consulting gigs, and freelancing. But that put me in a position of always having to find the next client, grow my customer base, and trade time for dollars because I only got paid when I was working. Even when I opened a brick and mortar in a field I loved and that mattered to me, it quickly became less about helping my people and more about always looking for more clients and converting more prospects while discounting services to compete in a noisy space. Costs always went up and finding reliable help was an endless challenge. This was not the stress-free, purpose-filled life I'd worked so hard to achieve. I found myself relating more and more to people who found themselves still stuck in a job or stuck in their core business as a chiropractor, a lawyer, a physical therapist, a personal trainer, a nutritionist, an accountant, or some other profession that no longer inspires and fulfills them. I'd been that struggling single parent and was intimately familiar with the burden of health challenges that limit the ability to hold gainful employment. I heard people talking about another year slipping past and being no closer to being of service, to being fulfilled, or to living the life they felt deeply they were meant to live. And I didn't like how hopeless that made me feel, nor the understanding how many feel so hopeless. You know what they say about doing the same thing over and over again, so I was open to taking a chance on a new approach to a very old game. When I learned about a new system that lets me take content I've already written, shows me how to repurpose it in a highly targeted way for evolving solutions, lets me automate it without needing to be technical, is fast and profitable, and accelerates my message delivery so I can scale my following and my reach, plus a strategy to employ where the marketing pays for itself, and all I had to do was follow along, kind of like paint by numbers, I knew I could do it. Again, it was about choosing to let go of fear and choosing to let go of the habit of seeing myself as someone who might fail again because that wasn't serving anyone and I'm about serving others. I bet you are too, right? And while you never know what life has in store, what curveball is right around the corner, one thing I believe with all my heart is that time is moving really fast and it's imperative we get to choose how we invest it. Have you felt it flying by? After lots of years, lots of tra- trial and error, lots of investment, and growing outside my comfort zone, I am now in a place of purpose. I was a creative with tons of ideas who didn't know where to start. Now I do. I had stories to tell, but was afraid it would take years to put them into book format, and I didn't know how to wrap a sustainable business model around it. Now I do. I floundered, not fully understanding how my life would feel when I created my ideal business. So I experimented with all the traditional routes, the MBA, the tech company, the brick and mortar, being a consultant, without first focusing on how. I wanted to feel at the beginning and the end of each day. Now I know, because now I choose to invest my days working from home, being present for people who are important in my life, enjoying the freedom to live my perfect day every day, and having adventures and experiences while I still can, all while being profitable and making a big impact. That little girl who is diagnosed with an incurable disease still has many health challenges, but she's also a thriving professional, living on purpose and sharing the importance of self-awareness and self-care the little boy who was taken away screaming and reaching for me eventually got to come home to me again and now i have the joy of seeing him thrive in college as he pursues his dreams or we go off on travel adventures together to see the world and share experiences my oldest and i remain close and i head to see him again in just a few weeks and me, I've forgiven myself. I've proven I can let go of all the shame and humiliation that were never mine to carry. My parents are gone, but I'm strong, knowing they no longer have to worry about me ever again. Each day is filled with joy as I fulfill what I was put on the planet to be, of service. The Message Accelerator was born to help published non-fiction author experts step-by-step build and automate the right platform that accelerates targeted message delivery for a profitable, sustainable business reaching and serving a huge audience, impacting lives, and delivering their dream life. Authors write books. Entrepreneur authors from any business background focus on solving problems and on distribution. I invite you to join the savvy author experts who know a secret that's turning the business of books upside down in six weeks while achieving massive reach, influence, and profit. You don't even need marketing, business, or technical expertise. Just a big heart and a desire to serve. Entrepreneur authors are best solvers and story sellers, and you, my author expert friend, are just one message away. Thank you for listening today to Survive, Thrive, Talk Story. For those of you who want to make an impact and make money with your message, your expertise, or your experience, whether you are just starting out or starting over, what hard-earned, well-lived message are you on a mission to share with the world? Until next time, this is Jamie Wolfe.